Welcome to the That's My Financial Guy podcast with Brian Haney, founder of The Haney Company, financial guru who looks great in pants and helps people understand their finances. Welcome to another episode of the That's My Financial Guy podcast. I am your financial guy, host Brian Haney of The Haney Company, and I am privileged to have a superstar, A-S-A-E-Y-P, Alexis Redmond here with me today to just, I mean, yeah, I know. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm I'm pumped. We had a great session with some other YPers and uh, a few A-S-A-E folks. So this is going to be fun and interesting right. for both of us. So thanks for coming in. You ready to party? I am. Let's go. All right. Go. First, before we even get too crazy, we're going to get to know you. This is going to be fun. So our program's really into pants. It's a, it's just kind of a theme. It's a very important to me topic socially, I think internationally. It, it's gotten a lot of recognition as to how important it is. So easy question. What's your favorite pant and why? My favorite pant. My favorite pant is the ones that you can't tell if they've got a stretchy waistband or not because it's like Ooh. faking the pajamas, but you're not. Like you can just wear a tunic and it's like, I look all right, but I'm totally comfortable. <laughs> oh, I love it. The hidden comfort yes. factor. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> I, I completely appreciate that, especially as somebody who has to repeatedly wear belts, right? Which is not a bad thing, but yeah, no, the opportunity to not have to do that and just be like, ooh, yeah. it's almost like I rolled out of bed, but I didn't. Yes. Well, with the summer casual, it's kind of funny because we have like those great big fluffed up gaucho pants and it's like, he's so fluffy and comfortable. My husband's like all dressed up and I'm like, ha sucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I can definitely appreciate that, especially in these wonderful, humid uh, summers that we get here in DC when we get to walk around and sweat it up if you could be a superhero what would your superpower be oh that's a tough one i've always been a wonder woman fan so it's either you want the strength or you want to fly but because my family's in michigan i would probably want to fly because it'd be cheaper to go see them and see them more on a regular basis so i'm a huge fan of the flying yeah but it as i was thinking about it more for myself i was like you know what this whole super speed thing the flash type of thing would be pretty cool cuz essentially you could probably have a similar kind of experience maybe you can run on water true but at the same time you're going to wear out your shoes that's, like see, that's the friction there it is. you know that's right yeah <laughs> flying usually is is shoe friendly yeah. and pant friendly and pant friendly yes absolutely all right so would you rather live underwater or in outer space? In outer space. I'm actually afraid of deep water. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. That was, that, yeah. you didn't even have to think about that one. Nope. All right. <laughs> Last one. Besides this podcast, of course, what is another one that you like, love, listen to, and recommend to our audience? So I'm not a huge podcaster, but the two that I've kind of fallen into based on friend recommendation is the Harvard Business Review, because there's always great in-depth oh, topics. Yeah. But it, there's also one called Jesus and Jalof that's by Levi Ajayi, which is hilarious. I saw her speak at ASAE two years ago. And after that, I was like, yep, whatever you're putting out, I'm just going to consume it because it's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Heard of the, obviously, the Harvard Business one, but I didn't hear of that one. So Yeah. Well, she has a book that's um, called I'm Judging You, and it just talks about Ooh. like just the sometimes just inappropriateness some people can have in exchanges and where you don't have to be that way. You can actually just be kind and how kindness is actually pretty easy and pretty free. And But she does it in a spunky and interesting way, so she's always in- enjoyable. <laughs> well, that's, 
That's awesome. No, I will have to check that out. And I think that's probably a healthy segue mm-hmm. into kind of association topics. So unconscious bias, yeah. big topic that is not industry specific. Yeah. I think it's a societal mm-hmm. thing. And yet, you know, it's something that obviously will touch every person in in some way in the ASAE community. So how do you see organizations or associations being able to be champions and really lead in areas, you know, obviously this tying into whether it's diversity, but really more of a recognition of just having a healthy working environment by having good, healthy relationships. So tell me, how do you see that across the association landscape? I see that across association landscape in the sense that, you know, associations you are already gathering for a common purpose, um, be it your yeah. professions, your interests, and that type of thing. And that's usually one of the first things you have to develop before you can kind of garner that trust to have strong connections with people. And I think uh, that's where associations can start to bring you know, their staffs together, their members together, is that they have a common interest. And so then that makes it easier to kind of break down the barriers of either age or gender or race or belief systems because you're like, well, wait, you know, we agree on this or we're both interested in this. And that's often what you kind of need to kind of kick that door open to then have stronger connections and stronger ties. So I think associations have that upper hand, but it's just a a way of mobilizing that. Because oftentimes when you look at boards, boards are coming from, you know, either similar age groups or they're coming from academia and you know how do we make sure that you know who's representing our associations are from diverse settings within those spaces so that they can have the different perspectives and actually enjoy the diversity and conversation that cognitive diversity that allows them to tap into different sides and perspectives of how we can change the world or tackle challenges that's all associations are trying to do make things better yeah no i mean and and certainly like the commonality of mission vision (laughs) And really, membership is a huge galvanizing force and an opportunity, especially for associations and leaders that are trying to take their organizations into the future and into the 2020 and beyond kind of mentality. I think that that's a really... It's just about figuring out that rallying cry, like what's going to be that kind of linchpin that just brings people together, be it, you know, you're working on a project or doing different things. I know a few years ago, we did a um, health day during our annual meeting. And so a lot of our audiologists were doing free hearing screens. And so you had people that were from all different industries kind of come together because they were like, well, I knew you guys were in town, you know, for your annual meeting because we represent speech language pathologists and audiologists. But they're like, we never really thought of what you did. But when they got to see it in action, then all of a sudden people were saying, oh, my grandfather has a hearing aid. and Oh, you know, I I have a nephew with a cochlear. And, you know, people started to kind of connect and get interested based on the fact that it was like, okay, I get it now. And so I think that's where people kind of have to figure that out is what's the linchpin to bring people together. But then how do we make sure there's curiosity so that we want to learn from one another and keep, you know, developing those strong connections? Well, and that I think you just touched on a great another thematic point, that collaborative learning approach where it's almost like the learning experience isn't here's this roadmap, this textbook, and everybody's going to read it, and then we're going to have a test later. That's not really, I think, the, the next level, if you will, of really bringing people together, learning, and becoming more effective interpersonal relationships, whether it's across industries, whether it's within associations, I think that, I mean, you really touched on something that, you know, is is certainly something organizations can start to embrace. How do we do collaborative learning 
Well, learning is going to look a lot different than it used to. And yeah. like, as you said, like it's not going to be the textbooks and the normal kind of structures. One thing that ASC's Foresight Works has talked about is mentoring 2.0 yeah. and the fact that it's going to be kind of that back and forth. And this spring, I did a session at Great Ideas about generational collaboration. And I actually had to do it with my boss. And first she was like, I don't know if I want to do this because the title of the session was teaching an old dog new tricks. And she's like, well, I don't want to be the old dog. And so we had to kind of tackle the hurdle of, well, anybody can be the old dog. Mm. You know, if you aren't learning, if you're not growing, if you're kind of like, no, I've got this, I don't need to hear anything else. You can put yourself in that box of, you know, being behind, being antiquated. And so like, don't label it based on your age and be like, are you trying to say that I'm old? Like, no. Do you have an old way of thinking? Are you not looking at the new stuff? I'm like, well, how is it different? You know, how can we use it? How does this come together with things I already know how to do? And that's one thing that I think associations are going to start to see even amongst their staff is figuring out how do you teach those that have the institutional knowledge, the new, you know, technologies or new strategies that are coming out that our members expect because our members are in Google and Amazon world. So how do we make yeah. sure that we're keeping up, but still preserving the zeal of our missions and our visions and our values that come from the institutional knowledge. When I think there's an exuberance and an excitement factor that can also be interwoven into this because kind of like that example where I can appreciate what she was saying in terms of not wanting to be the old dog, but why don't we just turn it on its head and say, well, how exciting this is for you to learn about something that you've never learned about to get information and, and from people and folks that are experts and yeah. like, and to do it in a manner that that's shared because you probably know something that they may not that can make their situation better. So it's 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 yeah that well, mentoring 2.0 that yeah. back and forth that's really exciting. Well, it's about having that shared vulnerability. That's yeah. the one thing with having you know mentoring relationships is that it is a relationship. You know, you're kind yeah, of revealing absolutely. yourself to somebody else, and when you can be vulnerable and say, well, I don't know this or I need help with that then people are kind of like well, okay well when i need help with something i feel comfortable asking you yeah. because i know that we can kind of share and connect in that way and i think that's something that often is missed in a lot of leadership because you want to be seen as like oh i'm a leader i've got it all together everything's fine but sometimes you know you're faced with a challenge you're like i've never seen this before i don't know what's going on but i'm just gonna roll with it but it's like you know how can you tap your team or you can tap colleagues to kind of say like hey you know give me some perspective give me some insight I think we'd have to ask be comfortable with learning and growing from one another and with one another. And that actually makes working relationships better and also makes our members feel more tied to us when it's like, hey, members, you know, there's this new thing going on that we see that you're talking about on social. Help, help us develop new programming. Help us develop a new yeah. idea. And being comfortable doing that, not coming from this place of, oh, well, we have to know everything. We don't. We're people. We're people engaging with one another. So if anything, we should enjoy the process of getting to know each other and working with one another instead of being like, no, I have to know it all and know it now. Well, and I think that's a great member engagement point, right? Yeah. The opportunity to bring members in in a collaborative sense and have them also advance the organization because yeah. they're certainly, I'm sure we can think of times where organizations and associations kind of feel like they're the ones that are doing the work and putting out the content and all the other stuff. But what better way to really make sure that the message has synergy yeah. and still resonates with your members than to have them be a part of that, yeah. right? I mean, and, it, and it's so wonderful from a technology standpoint that we can really do this in instant time. Yeah. Well, that just, it just expands capacity. I yeah. mean, with as much Absolutely. that's changing and as much innovation as we all want to be able to do, we just need, we need more stuff. We need more people. We need more time. Yeah. We need more resources. 
And so if you can tap into other people, be it in your staff or be it from your membership, there's amazing things that can happen because they're coming from a place of, okay, our goal is this, and they focus on that part. And sometimes when you're doing all the other stuff, it's so easy to get caught up in the minutia that you miss that little spark that you're trying to really achieve. And so sometimes just bringing in some new voices, new perspectives can really get you where you're going. Yeah. Well, and even before we started, we were talking about the whole real different framework Mm -hmm. of generations in the workforce and trying to maybe have a higher level perspective on on what that kind of looks like and really what the success factors are going to be to cut across maybe more generations than, again, historically there have been. I mean, you've got so many represented in some massive demographic numbers that are that we're talking about. So how do you see that in terms of ways that I think the association community is really succeeding, but also maybe some areas where maybe the story needs a little bit more or need to change the narrative a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, you have five generations in the workforce right now, everything from the silent generation to Gen Z. And so it's kind of a situation where, you know, with the committees that ASE has, the opportunities to come together at conferences, it brings people together, but it doesn't always mean that they're communicating and collaborating as in-depth as they could. And so I think it's really a matter of people really bonding over ideas or hopes and dreams. Because I think oftentimes what happens, particularly when you're thinking of the younger generation, so millennials and Gen Zs, it's kind of like, oh, well, they're young, they're new, you know, like, oh, they're, they've, they've got a while. But, you know, the eldest millennial is 40. So yeah, it's a situation scary, right? where we're, we're mid, <laughs> you know, we're more mid-career than kind of spring chicken. So now it's a time where we kind of have to think about, like, how do we tap? everyone's perspectives and information so that we can really use it to our best ability and be more efficient and effective. Actually, one of the women that's super, super technical on our team, she would never want us to tell her real age, but let's just say that she's more in the latter generations past boomer. But it's one of those things where, you know, she's one of those people that's so open and willing to connect and talk to everybody. If you ever saw who she eats lunch with every day, you would think like, oh, what? She's like in her 40s. And it's like, no, not even close, but it's that openness to be really connected and to really engage. And so I think that, you know, there needs to be more mentoring opportunities, but not just mentoring in terms of, you know, senior staff to junior staff, but mentoring opportunities in terms of, you know, hey, you know, my organization is bringing it, bringing on an Instagram account and I really don't get it. Who's someone I can talk to and feel comfortable with where they're not yeah. kind of talking to me like, you know, I have no idea what's going on. I get the concept, but I want to feel better about it. And that was one thing that kind of came up at Great Ideas that people were talking about, like, we should have these free flowing and open engagements, but there's still that kind of un, that invisible structure of, well, I'm at a certain level, so I can't talk to that person or even for young professionals. Oh, they're so much above me. I, c- I could never just approach them. So I think there's really keen opportunities to tackle that at annual because there's lots of great networking events and activities. I call myself a high functioning introvert. So I'm that person that kind of goes to a meeting and then it's like, all right, now I'm going to Netflix and chill for like a week because I just need to be by myself um, just to recharge. Very taxing. It's definitely one of those things of people need to find ways to have formal interaction, but also informal interaction. How do we make this just natural or it's just, you know, part of your day? It's like with a lot of organizations, including diversity inclusion and it being more, more so gender and race related where it's like, oh, this has to be a part of our mission. It's part of our strategy. How do we make sure that we that also includes age so that everyone yeah. feels like they can be a part of it because people are staying in the workforce longer. So you should feel like you're welcome until you're finally ready to leave. It shouldn't yeah. be a situation where you feel like you've been, you know, pushed out the door with the broom. No. You're right. I mean, it's funny, you know, Google may not be the ideal example, but they have all these 
working groups yeah. even within their organization. And the one that I laugh at a lot is the Greglers, mm-hmm. right? Those that are getting on at a certain age demographic where you're like, oh, you know, they remember what it was like before computers and probably know what it was like to have a dial phone or, mm-hmm. but that's a great example of the fact that there's a way to be relevant to everybody. Yep. Right. And so having that maybe in the back of our minds as leaders, because I think that's the other thing that I feel ASA does a good job of is that leader, that word isn't just senior staff, right. that, that it can be anybody can be a leader. It's really a question of how do you engage with other yeah. people? And I think that, you know, the YPs within ASA are great examples of that, how yeah. we're taking the organizations that we work with forward, regardless of our title, demographic subset, what have you, and age certainly isn't a limiting factor. Right. Well, I mean, that's just a thing, particularly in associations, is finding your way in. Yeah. Where oftentimes, you know, we kind of put these invisible barriers saying that like, oh, I I could never go talk to them or I could never go do this or do that. But one thing that associations do is that it connects people. And so kind of once you have that first conversation, um, I went to a conference once where they had those communal tables to eat. And so I had a chocolate croissant and I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, prepping my food. And the woman's just sitting there looking at me. She's like, that is the best looking croissant I've ever seen. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And I'm just like, all right. And, and then she just kept chatting with me. And at first I'm like, okay, I, I guess. And so we just kept going and going. Well, later on, I realized that she's one of the keynote speakers. And it's one of those things where, you know, when you go to events and particularly amongst the association community, if you sometimes just sit down and just have a passive chat with someone, you realize that they're connected to you somehow or connected to your industry or, you know, there's all these ways to kind of make your way in. So I think um, where ASA is doing a really good job that they're trying to bring us all together. It's just a matter of like, how do you then kind of continue that and sustain it on a personal individual level? So I think everyone has to figure their action plan of, you know, how do you keep connecting, keep engaging and you know keep learning yeah. and realize this the value of those that are around you yeah and that's exciting and i think one of the things that i've seen that is really effective thematically is this concept the power of storytelling yeah. right where we see this across the landscape of society you know from netflix to it just yeah. so we're telling stories in new fun and exciting ways and frankly what is every membership value proposition, if not a story, mm-hmm. right? A story about the organization and its identity and its purpose. And seems to be, a, frankly, a very effective way to also build relational equity, yep. right? Sitting down with somebody and just say, hey, what's your story, right? Mm-hmm. Tell, me, tell me your story. And just leaving it at that and kind of seeing what direction it goes, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, when you think about just, like, the kaboom of reality TV, everyone has that natural voyeuristic interest in other people, yeah. you know, be it, you know, uh, four weddings or an HGTV thing. You're always curious about, like, well, how do they do that? How does that happen? Would I do that? Do I like that? And so I think if people come from that perspective, just engaging with other people, you realize everyone has some cool thing that you don't even know about. Right. And so you have to get past, like, the assumption or get past it, like, oh, I think that they're this or you, you know don't put people in boxes. You know, people are kind of Venn diagrams, you know, your circles of things that you experience in your life, you know, your your professional self, your personal self, 
the self that you wished you could be, the self that you're going to be in the future. And it's all these circles connected. And so, you know, how do you figure out kind of like what realm are they showing you on that day? What perspective, what interest, what thing? Actually, my team just had a team building outing this past Friday. And one of the activities was sharing songs that meant something to you. Ooh, and it was just that's really great. Yeah. But it was, what was really interesting was what people picked. Oh, yeah. And so, like, you know, there's some songs that you're like, oh, yeah, that had to be one of the younger staff members. And I was like, oh, no, that was me. I really like Katy Perry Firework. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, you know, when you kind of come from an informal perspective of asking people things, not just, well, tell me your story, like, hey, what's your favorite song? Or, yeah. hey, what was something you did every summer when you were a kid? Yeah. Um, you can really kind of get perspectives on who they are as a person. And then you can use that as a launching pad to learn about, you know, them professionally or them as in terms of their being future ready. How are they developing themselves and preparing their organizations to be future ready? Because I think for a long time, we were so worried about being future proof that we're going to solve it. But life is evolving. It's a moving target. So it's not about solving it. It's about being nimble and agile to really respond to whatever comes at you. And that includes, you know, being open and willing to connect with new people and, their new phases and their new perspectives every day. Yeah. Well, and what a great technique or tool as well to cut across some of these invisible barriers, right? Imagine if we have association leaders sitting down with any member of a staff and saying, you know, hey, this is how I or the organization has seen this story, but how do you see it? And having that kind of a conversation, I mean, what great insights are going to come out of just that type of an approach and at the same time, what great relational equity gets built in a moment like that where you approach somebody else and just say, hey, we see it this way, or I see it this or whatever. How do you see it yeah. and why? And then yeah. you just listen. Yeah, you have to listen, but also be really present when you're yeah. listening. And in that being in that presence is also kind of removing that filter. Don't always filter what you're hearing based on like what you know. Sometimes you just have to just, just hear it and then simmer on it. Yeah. I think sometimes as associations, we hear it, but then we kind of filter it through what we already know, what we already yeah. have and say like, oh, we already have that. Oh, that's already happening. And it's like, okay, even if we think that, if they're not seeing it or if they're not feeling it as a member, it's not really happening. It doesn't really exist. Exactly. <laughs> if they're not perceiving it, it's not really real. So how do we kind of take that step back and say, okay, you you know, we, we thought we were doing this, but how they're processing it or understanding it is different. So how do we make sure that we're connecting in that way? So I think that's one thing that associations will be facing in these coming you know decades is how people understand or connect in different ways. I went to a session where they were talking about the definition of face-to-face in terms of meetings. And it was that's a guy presenting with, yeah, a guy was presenting with a son. And he was like, well, when I say face-to-face, I expect him to show up and be there. Well, they had a meeting, and the, the receptionist said, oh, your son's here. And, you know, he's like, well, where is he? I don't see him. I don't see him. The meeting's ready to start. Well, they opened up a cabinet, and he was on the monitor. So he had video, videoed in. He had remoted in. And the dad was like, oh, my gosh, why, why weren't you here? And he's like, well, I was here. I could see you. You could see me. Everyone in the room could see me and hear me. Yeah. That's face-to-face. Yeah. And so, you know, just the redefinition of terms and phrases and experiences it's just gonna be one of those things that associations will have to start to navigate where it's like you know you create something and now you have to test and evaluate don't just think that oh we always did this and it was always fine well the world's changing things are being redefined work is being redefined so how do we make sure that we have gotten the translation of what that redefinition means well and the the old tendency to see things not as problems but as opportunities right so how do we really take an example like that which is brilliant and really own it for ourselves, own it for our members, own it for the ways yep. that we're going to continue to move the needle forward 
collectively because so much of this is really exciting to produce. It seems like associations are really on the forefront of being able to produce things that haven't been done, like just do some great things that haven't been done before, whether it's the way that people are engaged, whether it's the way that an industry gets galvanized because they've never been able to tell a story like they can right now. It's kind of exciting to yeah, see. It's super exciting, but I will say it's definitely kind of like that roller coaster experience where you oh, have yeah. that anxiety, that tension. You hear in the clicks, and you're just like, "Okay, are we going to fall? Or are we going to soar? What's going to happen?" And so <laughs> I think that panic sometimes makes it so. Um, with all these new changes, it's hard for everyone to adopt and take it on. So I just think that where associations really need to work is building that thrill for everyone and making sure that there's not that one person like holding on, going, "This is." like please don't make me do this it's like no it's okay you know because with all this change it's changing processes it's changing ways of thinking and so you know how do we make people comfortable with the fact that like okay be a little comfortable being uncomfortable because it makes it thrilling and exciting and fun and i think for some people who have been in offices where they might have been doing the same thing for a long time they they got comfortable, air quotes, but they're not so comfortable with it because they don't oh, yeah. realize that there's such great opportunity and potential to grow as a person and really grow your knowledge set and to kind of show the things that you probably haven't shown in years because you're like, oh, we've just been doing it this way and I just keep doing it over and over. Yeah. It's like, well, what was that one thing you wanted to change 10 years ago? Like, yeah. oh, wait, I can talk about that now? Like, yes, we're talking yeah. about that. Because for, for so long, associations got, had to live in that space of, oh, we're about 10 years behind. Well, now everything's moving so fast that you can only reasonably be five years behind before members start complaining. So, yeah. you know, how do we figure out how to be nimble and agile and be able to test things and pivot and yeah. also do that while also listening? So that's a lot. It's like, you know, walking, chewing gum, juggling, doing roller skates on a cycle. Yeah. But, you know, it's fun, exhilarating and worth it. But, you know, we all have to take care of each other while going through that process of change. That's a great description, you know, doing all of that. Yeah. And also seems that it, it'll come with this need to recognize that we may have to evolve how we measure things mm-hmm. and what success looks like is also changing as yeah. well. And so... In so many circumstances, the measuring rod of success that was a lot more quantifiable and definable maybe historically now, it may not be that way at all, yeah. or, or at least there may be elements that can be radically different. And mm-hmm. so, you know, recognizing that as well and being comfortable saying, man, you know, we used to be able to figure this out, project out, do all this other stuff. And we knew that, the, you know, our members like this and we could do this and all that. You know, maybe that means there's a shorter time horizon or there's more of this comfort of going back yeah. to that that need to be collaborative where if the members are in it, too, and you're all trying to figure out what's going to be the best for everybody, that probably also has some staying power in and of itself. Because yeah. while some organizations maybe do a really good job regularly engaging members, maybe others haven't. And so now we're kind of at that place where, you know, we can do this in a meaningful way and, and they get elevated at the same time because they feel like they have more ownership over their own association too. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, with people and their time and their willingness really to, you know, join things, it's creating this, you know, space of scarcity. But with the scarcity, it also allows you to focus on the things that matter. 
Right. Because sometimes when you have a lot, um, too much abundance or too much, you know, excess, you're like, well, we can just do everything. Versus when there's <laughs> a little bit of scarcity, you're kind of like, all right, we're going to focus on this and that because I only have this much. Right. And so that makes it kind of an exciting time because, you know, if you were ever into science experiments or projects, you're like, well, this is great. We're experimenting with things because we only have <laughs> this much to make it happen. And so I think it's one of those times where if you can really get your team rallied and as a leader, you can be there to, you know, shepherd them and be that kind of servant leader where you're like, hey, I get that it's scary, but we're going to have fun with this. And even if that means that, you know, I'm coming in with donuts every Friday because we just need that little bit of sugar to get us through that last day, you know, it's needed. And I think that's where leaders can really be really helpful because their teams have ideas. There's things flying around that never kind of crack that c-suite where you're just like you guys talked about this like oh we've been talking about it for a while but we just didn't say anything you know now you can really kind of kick down that door and say like tell me that stuff that you weren't telling me before what are are some ideas i hadn't heard Uh before because we know we know it's going to make a radical difference for the members because it's those staff that have the boots on the ground that are talking to members all the time seeing what they're saying for our organization we have 30 to 40 percent of our working workforce is also in the profession so yeah. the thing is is that they're on the social media it's like when we do stuff and they're like oh no we know how they really feel and it's like you know how do we <laughs> kind of get that data that we don't get on the surveys because you know when they're talking to us directly they don't want to tell us that but they'll say it all over facebook oh, yeah <laughs> so it's kind of nice to have the men in, on the inside to get that insight and that, get that perspective so then when it's like okay hey we only have X number of dollars, or we only have X number of hours for a team to work on something. What's the one thing that's going to make a huge splash? Yeah. Like let's let's cannonball it out. Let's just jump in that pool and make a splash. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm hearing a, a potential like <laughs> workshop or something. The, sci- the great science experiment of associations. Yeah. I, I'm liking this. This is this is good. So with annual coming up, yeah. everybody hopefully is excited, and and I know we both hope to see a ton of YPers there. Yes. So Anything that you want YPs to know about coming into a conference, especially if somebody hasn't attended a conference before? Yes. So again, as I said, I am a high functioning introvert. So there's the times that, you know, there's all the CVB receptions that are great and fun, awesome food and giveaway bags. You know, make sure to hit up at least one or two of those. But there's also the great times to meet people in the hallways. Absolutely. The hallways are the best networking, and it's usually the some the person that's like sitting trying to charge their phone in one of the little lounges, and you just sit down and you kind of like, hey, how are you? Oh, who are you with? And next thing you know, you have this person that you're like, oh my gosh, I've been so interested in that. Um, There's actually a executive director out of Michigan that I met that he was trying to find his way to the lounge where they have the career coaches because one thing that the foundation does is that they offer some mm-hmm. reduced rate coaching on site, which is great because it's like half the price of the regular Mm -hmm. so if you are a young professional just do it they usually have a young young professional discount so you can know you can go get yourself checked out or go get a resume review but also in kind of showing him where he needed to go we had a great conversation next thing you know i had a guy that was sharing content that i was really into because i was interested in like well how do you manage a small nonprofit? Mm. like how does that all work and come together and so now he's my my friend on linkedin where it's like hey i'm interested in this do you have resources for that and so you know definitely tap into that don't feel like every part of networking has to be the big splashy events yeah because those are sometimes the hardest to really connect because there's lots of moving pieces everyone's chasing that plate of hors d'oeuvres um sometimes it's much easier to talk to the person that's also in line getting coffee and so figure out how to do that buddy up on the exhibit hall floor the hall by itself can be really overwhelming and for some reason there's a lot of alcohol so (laughs) which can be great but before an 11 o'clock session sometimes you're like all right by two i'm gonna be a little sleepy 
but if you buddy up, you know, you can double your chances at getting prizes, but you can also meet new friends. Um, yeah. One thing that I do is that I'm, I'm real active on the app. The app is amazing. It is. And you can it's meet a lot terrific. of cool people. Use a lot of hashtags. Next thing you know, you have like people that think that they know you and all you've really said was responded to like all their pictures of things. And so all of a sudden you have these friends that you've never really met, but like every, every event you go to, you're like, oh wait, you're back. <laughs> yeah. So figure out the ways that work best for you. It might not always be the big receptions, even though the YP does have a reception on Sunday night. Yep. And that's a great opportunity to connect. And there's also also really good food. And then the classic. John Legend is still going to be there this year, so I'm really excited. Um, my boss got a VIP ticket, and I was like, if you can get him to sign something, please do. I'll give you whatever. And she's mm. like, I'll just do it for you. But, you know, the classic's a great event to go to. There's lots of movers and shakers in the room. Yep. But the thing is, it's people just having a good time. So it takes away that barrier of feeling like, oh, I could never go talk to so-and-so. Like, they're also hovering over the food table. So talk about, like, hey, those are really good. And next thing you know, you're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I met John Graham that way where he was getting something. And I was just kind of like, oh, how about this? And he's like, oh, yeah, those are great. And next thing you know, we got to chat for 10 minutes. And so find your ways in. You know, there's some people that can walk in a room and work the whole thing. I'm one of those people that I find my targeted people and say, hey, you seem nice. And we have the conversation. So be comfortable with that. There's lots of opportunities to connect with people. You don't have to always be the one that's just smoozing and, you know, just oozing, just effervescence. Sometimes you're that person that's a little awkward and clumsy and be like, hey, I'm trying to find the shuttle. I don't know where it is. And the yep. next thing you know, you meet a friend. <laughs> well, I think you personify probably what a great advice point is to, frankly, anybody, not just white peers, but just try to be your best self. Mm-hmm. You don't have to stretch yourself beyond certain comfort areas to try to build relationships. So there's still very effective ways to do it. Yeah. Just being you, because that's A, going to be the most authentic thing. B, you're going to be the most comfortable being you, hopefully. Yeah. But it also may, and, you know, as a strategy, you mentioned a buddy system. And I think that's a great piece of advice is that if you know the areas that you're really good at and the areas that you aren't might also be a good idea to find somebody that might augment some of those weaknesses where they're strong, where you you're not, or, or at least be aware that there are certainly people that, you know, especially like YP committee members Mm -hmm. who are there to make sure that you feel more comfortable and they're all extremely approachable and wonderful. And, uh, you know, so that's a great place to start, right? If you don't have somebody come, meet the YP committee members and uh, you'll have at least 20 <laughs> yep. right off the bat. You'll have there a, you go. a strong 25 that will be there for you. But what's always funny is that at annual, that we're also during that time usually recruiting bloggers for our blog takeover week. And so, you know, if you are that YP that's kind of like, you know, I want to figure out how to get out there. I'm not sure quite what to do. That's a great opportunity to engage. Sure we usually post, uh, post about those on Collaborate. And, you know, whether you're extroverted or introverted, that's always an opportunity to share your thought leadership. You know, talk about that idea that you've never gotten a chance to kind of mention or talk about that experience that could help others learn how to navigate this association space. But those are great ways to engage. There's also going to be some micro-volunteering opportunities coming out throughout Mm -hmm. the year. So even if you just find one YP to say, hey, I want to do stuff that you guys do. Because at a lot of the events for ASAE, we also have um, next-gen talks mm-hmm. where, you know, yep. it's small, intimate settings where it's just a big round table and an exec that comes and talks about their life, their career journey, and their career story. That's also a great place to find your kind of first buddy. Because usually whoever you're sitting next to is also like, oh, I, I'm kind of nervous and I'm here too. It's like, okay, great. We're friends now. Yep. <laughs> and actually, some of the people that are currently on our committee, that's how they met me 
where they were somewhere and they were looking for something. And I was like, hey, we're just going to walk together all day, okay? And next thing you know that they were like, well, now it's in the committee and now you're inviting me to come write things. And it's just like, how did this happen? It's like, well, you were my friend. So now I'm, we're just going to be friends. <laughs> I take care of my friends. Par for the course. Yes. This is how it works. Yeah. And that's how the whole committee is where it's like, yeah. if we can plug each other in, Absolutely. we do. If there's opportunities or people you want to meet, it's like, hey, if I know them, hey, let's go over there and go meet them. And that's kind of what the association community offers. I think ASA is really great at. Absolutely. Their staff is really wonderful about saying, like, hey, you're interested in this? Here, I'll call them right now. Here, I'll text them. Actually, Mel Carr, on my honeymoon, I was in Vancouver. She was in Vancouver with the AMC Council. And I happened to post something on, like, Facebook. And she's like, hey, you're in Vancouver? Yes. I'm here, too. And she stalked me and found me at my hotel. That's awesome. (laughs) And so that's just how connected all the associations are and how willing the people are to kind of meet and connect with you and not just in a professional capacity, but a personal way. So just be open and, you know, you can always do it in a way that you don't feel like a fraud. Yeah. You can just be you. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I I think you hit the nail on the head. And I'm I'm very excited and certainly hope that we're going to see, you know, a massive turnout and a lot of great new relationships. And uh, it's going to be an exciting time in Columbus. John Legend and Brad Paisley, for those of us that are twangers, right? And food. So much good food. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just a foodie. So I'm just like, oh, there's good food. I'll be there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, frankly, you know, you can't miss... You know, you walk that exhibit floor and you go to some of these events, you're going to probably be okay for the entire week. Yeah. For sure. Bring those stretchy pants, right? Yes. That nobody knows are stretchy All and the are stretchy totally pants. comfortable. Make sure you have, like, bring a tote bag and, like, a little Ziploc bag because sometimes mm-hmm. they have, like, cookies. And at 11 o'clock or 2 o'clock, depending on how long you're, you're hanging out, if you go to the Maltese party, you might come back a little late. Mm-hmm. You might need that snack at, like, 2 in the morning where it's like, all right, let me just eat this and then be ready to get up at 630. <laughs> yeah. So any final shout outs that you want to have? Sure. I shout out, of course, the YP committee because they're awesome. And once a YP, always a YP. Um, my mom and dad, because, you know, whenever you're anywhere, you got to say your parents. You know, it's just par, par for the course. <laughs> Unless you work with them, in which case. Eh, okay. Even then, <laughs> even then it's like, hey, dad, you're great. Yep. Love your son. Yep. Thumbs up. Who has two thumbs and <laughs> likes their dad. I also worked for a parent at one point, but luckily for me, we have different last names, so people didn't realize it at first until one day I was standing in the um, section. I was like, I think I smell my mom. And they're like, what? I was like, I smell my mom's perfume. Who's your mom? Jocelyn. And my mom was one of the managers of, because I worked for the post office, so we're working in processing. And they looked at me and scattered. (laughs) You would have thought, you know, someone turned the lights on and there was roaches because they sprinted. And I was like, what's going on? Like, we call her Darth Vader. She, you know, we, we, oh, just, we just know she's serious. But they're like, you're such a hard worker. Why would you be such a hard worker if she's your mom? I was like, because she could fire me too? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, you think because I'm her kid that she's not going to take it out on me too? What? Dark Vader. <laughs> yeah. I bet that's shown up a few more times in, in some, some family settings, right? Darth mom. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's always that one field trip where you kind of try to warn your class. Like, no, no, my, my mom doesn't play. Like, no, yeah. no, don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> she's going to say something. Whatever, no, 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 yelling, screaming. She made them stop a school bus once and turn off the radio. Oh, and she's like, we won't go if this continues. And I just kind of slunk down in a chair like this. And they were like, wow, your mom's mean. I was like... Do you think I'm well behaved for no reason? <laughs> I know she's crazy. I love her death, but I know she's crazy. <laughs> so the next session is going to be on parents emotionally scarring their children, YP style. No. <laughs> That's awesome. She's, yeah. She sounds 
fun. Yeah. No, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, the parents who are well involved, but you, you kind of know, like when they give you the look. Oh, and yes. There is a look. Yeah, there is the look. Uh-huh. So it's always kind of funny, like being on the metro, particularly in this area, where you can tell that the parents give them the look versus the ones that the parents don't give them the look. And you're just like, your parents have robbed you because you're not prepared yeah. for the world of like, you know, like someone gives you a look and you're like, okay, I can bring myself together. Like you just, you have no control. Yeah. Like, you some... almost want to let them know, by the way, there's the there's a look thing that you might want to try. Right. Like it's, right. it's powerful. It's cool. Yeah, you know, like you don't have to like, go all wild and crazy. No. Like all you have to do is kind of say like, you know, clear your throat and go... <clears throat> Yeah. And just to look over to the side. And for some reason, like the little kids in particular, they're like, something's happening. I think I'm going to sit down now. Mm-hmm. I no longer need to be swinging off this pole. I can just relax for a yeah. little bit. Yeah. I value <laughs> my life and I should change my behavior. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, I'm excited for, for this. Me. And uh, we will get this out right before annual. And it's going to awesome. be terrific. We appreciate it. All right. Cool. Thanks for listening to this month's episode of the That's My Financial Guy podcast. We hope you enjoyed yourself. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us online at thehaneycompany.com or on Twitter at The Haney Company. The information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Haney is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated, member FINRA